there's no better feeling than a personal win. And the State Farm Personal Price Plan can help you do just that. Talk to a State Farm agent today to learn how you can bundle and save with the personal price plan. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Prices are based on rating plans that vary by state. Coverage options are selected by the customer. Availability, amount of discounts and savings, and eligibility vary by state. Five ranked matchups on the menu for Saturday. None bigger than number six, Ohio State at Number nine, Notre Dame. Let's see if the Golden Domers can bust that buck nut. Let's also get into the Pac-12 is going to go through a thinning. We got ranked matchups between Wazoo, Oregon State, Oregon, and Colorado. And my goodness, do I have some things to tell you about Colorado. Let's go. It's the number one college football show. What's up, kid folks? It's RJ Young. I am not on a step mill. Thank you for watching on the Fox Sports app, YouTube, or listening wherever you get your podcast. I need you to rate the podcast. Give us five stars and be one of the first 100,000 to subscribe to the channel. Yes, we are on pace to cross the 100,000 subscriber threshold on the channel, and I will be throwing one hell of a party on the show today. We got to go through all of these ranked matchups that I mentioned. There are five of which, and then there are a couple that we kind of snuck in here. Florida State going down to Clemson, among others. And I want to get into just what is going down in Boulder and how more black folks in particular are wrapping their arms around this program. But first, let's start with the biggest game this Saturday, and that is going to be Ohio State traveling to Notre Dame. And I think this is a very good time to talk about September games and what we're actually looking for. Because one of the things that we love to say in our sport is ain't played nobody. Soft schedule, cupcake schedule. This is how we say 3-0 and in college football. It is a sport defined by perfection, unlike baseball, which is defined by failure. Being perfect, chasing perfection, that's what we're after here. But it's also about who is going to assert themselves at a time when we're looking for who's the best team in college football. Quite literally, everybody is suspect right now. Georgia was down 14 to three, South Carolina at home. Michigan looked like boo-boo for a time against Bowling Green. And now we finally get some moving and shaking among teams that we all think are pretty good. And the reason that we're starting with Ohio State and Notre Dame is because, frankly, Those are two teams that we could both see in the college football playoff, and it would surprise nobody right now. Also, depending on how this game goes, would we be willing to see Notre Dame and Ohio State play again? Really, there's a lot going on this. So one way or another, somebody's going to be upset and crowing in their neighbor's face come Sunday because we got the the Deloitte debutantes. And we got, you know, the blue collar folks from the Rust Belt. I got skin in this game or melanin, if you will, because I used to turn wrenches at Pet Boys down the road to get through school. I was not going to wear a white collar to work. At least that's what I thought. And then I got this job. And now I got to remind everybody that I got scars on my knuckles from what I used to be. But so does Notre Dame. Like nobody knows better than Notre Dame fans how long it's been since they won a national championship. And even that one is disputed. Okay, let alone won a New Year's Six Bowl game. This is an opportunity. This is a golden, if you will, opportunity to welcome a team to town 
that has lost double digit, or excuse me, that has lost single digit games with Ryan Day as his head coach and won like, you know, 45, 46, 47 in there. I think we're approaching 48 wins for Ryan Day since he became the head coach at the Ohio State. And they get to get one back from last year when it looked like they were keeping pace with Ohio State. They just lacked a quarterback. Guess what they got now? A quarterback. Sam Hartman walked into Notre Dame as the best quarterback to ever play in a Golden Domer helmet because he's just been that good. Like before last week, he was already 10th all time in passing TDs across NCAA and ACC record for passing TDs in a career. And then on the other side, you got Kyle McCord, who gets an opportunity to show everybody that he really is QB1 as opposed to the best of the rest, right, a la Alabama, which we'll get to in a little bit. But Kyle McCord has Trey Henderson. He's also got the best receiving group north of the Mason-Dixon line, led by the Martian, Marvin Harrison Jr., whom he played with at St. Joe's Prep in Philly. This is the time for folks to actually begin to see that kind of connection take place, right? Because we're talking about Julian Fleming being the guy that people forgot about. Brandon Ennis is still over there. Maya Williams is still over there for that matter, too. They get that run game going. It's about which secondary it's going to hold up here. And this is where I think it gets interesting because you got Styles brothers, both at Ohio State now. Lorenzo Styles was at Notre Dame last year. I have a theory, maybe uh, producer Tyler has another, in which Lorenzo Styles showed up to Jim Knowles' office and emptied his Notre Dame book bag. Maybe. I don't know. We'll see. I'm very interested to see which one of these uh, secondaries actually holds up because I think that's who's going to win the game. If I'm looking... And I want to feel good. I can say what Ohio State did against a Hilltoppers offense that was putting up 40 and 50 points a game should be taking a harbinger of things to come. They had two defensive touchdowns in that game. They were able to get interceptions. They were able to stop that offense from moving. I think Jim Knowles going into this year finally has this thing clicking. His cornerbacks and safeties look like they want to jump routes as opposed to make tackles. And I love hearing that, seeing that. But that Notre Dame offense can go blow for blow. So if we get into a shootout, yeah, the home team has a really great way of winning that game because it's going to get loud at Notre Dame Stadium if Ohio State is down, say, five and needs to get six and is on the other side of the 50-yard line needing to march down, whereas it's probably going to get quiet right before the snap when Sam Hartman needs to go about doing the damn thing. And frankly, he might. They score 21 unanswered against North Carolina State, which is the best team they played all year. But, you know, I got my reservations about what they're going to do once everybody knows they got to pass the ball. Now, if Audrey Estime goes for 150, good night, Ohio State, right? That can't happen. You got to be able to contain the run game. I'm also looking at an ND that beat Central Michigan by the same score that, or scoring margin that Michigan State beat Central Michigan by. And Michigan State wasn't very good to begin with. And Central Michigan is, well, Central Michigan. I wanted to see a little bit larger margin there, but, you know, a win is a win is a win, so they tell me. Also, shout out to Ramon Henderson, because I just remembered that he playing safety at Notre Dame, and that's Tanisha's godson. Tanisha used to lock your boy's hair up right here in Tulsa. I'm sure she's going crazy. She was down there on his official visit. I forgot about this three years ago. But if he makes a play, I'm going to get loud about that, too. For our purposes, this is going to impact my rankings. This is going to impact the Associated Press rankings, and frankly, it's going to impact college football playoff rankings down the road. We're going to look back at this game and Draw all sorts of conclusions. We're going to say that Notre Dame is really good if they beat Ohio State, or we're going to say Ohio State is back to being Ohio State if they beat Notre Dame. A lot riding on this one. I I think I'm going to put one of the – I think I already have Ohio State as the number three team in the country, right? I think Notre Dame would have to go somewhere near there if they get this win on Saturday. So we'll be watching that one. I'm picking Ohio State to win this game. 
because I just think that the secondary is better at Ohio State than it is at Notre Dame. Feel free to make a fool out of me, Ramon, right? Feel free to make a fool out of me, Marcus. It's fine. I'm all right with that. But right now, I think Ohio State is a complete football team with playmakers all over the field. So again, Notre Dame getting a win there be a really big deal for me, not just for Notre Dame fans. Next on the docket for us, number 19, Colorado at number 10, Oregon. And once again, we're back to what it was week one when people are asking me, yo, do you think that Colorado can go up to Oregon and get a win? Even if they went down to Texas Christian and got a win, we're still answering this question. We're going to get to that in a second. But the unmistakable flair of Primes Colorado is everywhere. At the barbershop yesterday, one of the old heads trying to put me on game. Right. I love it when the old heads put me on game because I'd be listening. They got them histories. They got them facts. They got them stories. One of them told me, RJ, this is your Fab Five. These are your running revs. Right. This is your you. The, the Miami that we told you about. This is yours. You need to blow your trumpet. Shake the walls of Jericho with this team because they are black and proud. And everybody's wrapping their arms around them from offset to The Rock, to Cameron, to Gilly the Kid, like the sidelines. Kawhi Leonard was at a Colorado Buffalo game and nobody noticed. That's how loaded it's been on his sidelines. But it's a black team that is on for the culture. And Prime was asked following the win against Colorado State just what that means and does he feel any pressure for being Black America's favorite football team. First of all, these kids weren't even born, born, so they don't understand that. Uh, Dennis Thurman and some of the older coaches like myself, we understand that and how dynamic and how much of a blessing that is to even be mentioning those likes. Uh, it's it's tremendous. Um, it's not a burden whatsoever. It's a blessing, and we're thankful for that. But I don't think um, our young men inside the locker room understand the moment. Like That's what I told them uh, in the last series. Guys, this is a moment you will never forget. And let's maximize this moment. And they, they went out and did it. I love that. I love that because that sums up just what Prime knows and what he's trying to infuse into that football team, saying all the right things and doing all the right things to make us feel good. But I got to tell you, man, black folks is so on for Prime's Colorado. Like, it's going to be an AME church type of thing down at Folsom. All right? I got a homeboy that went down. He went down for, for Colorado versus Colorado State. And he said, hey, RJ, they got an Inglewood in Colorado, but they spell it wrong. I fell out because they spell it with an E in Colorado. And, you know, he's from L.A., so they spell it with an I. I I'm telling you, granddaddy, he's going to put that yak in his grape soda in the 303, and we're going to have us a time here. I'm also looking at just what kind of football they play. And it is high-flying and fun Right. Again, the old heads were telling me all about the Satellite Express down there in Mississippi Valley State. Right. We're really Tottenham and Jerry Rice going for five bills in the oopty oop. And that's how it looked when Shadour Sanders is out there running that offense, man. 417 yards on average. This dude is throwing for 10 TDs to one pick over the first three games of the season. And people keep saying, hey, look, they ain't played nobody. Yeah, it's called September. But you know what you say when you when you have played somebody? Damn, we South Carolina. How South Carolina feel right now? Instead, I like to watch Shadour Sanders back there operating. And he did that against Colorado State. Down eight, 206 left on the clock. Uh, basing his own end zone, that man took them all the way down the field and then got the two-point conversion, eventually led them to the win. Shadour Sanders 
is the thing that makes Colorado go. If you did not know that before Saturday, you know it now because there was no Travis Hunter there. And I need to stress that Shadur Sanders had been this guy for the last two years. I've been on it on this show, man. We talked about Jackson State a couple years ago. And I'll remind people, when he was at Jackson State, they went 11-2 and two in 2021. You know who wasn't there in 2021? Travis Hunter. You know who's been absolutely dicing people up for three years? Shadur Sanders. Also, you know, O'Heads get a kick out of this one. Shadur is a biblical name. Come from the Old Testament. Hebrew for field of light. Right? As in, he is the thing lighting up the field. You hear what I'm saying? You know, black folks and names, man. I'm telling you, I got Zenus as a last uh, last name, as a middle name. And that one's biblical, too. My mother says it's God's gift. Cool. We on it. For those of y'all that don't know, Martin Luther King Jr. was Mike King until his daddy learned about Martin Luther King. And then, you know, or Martin Luther and then became Martin Luther King. What I'm saying is we're living up to our names. And so is Shadur. Right. The dude is 73 and eight as a starting quarterback. He won 47 games in high school. Then put an 11-win season together, and then put a 12-win season together, 3-0 at Colorado. It's not an accident. Lincoln Riley himself said, hey, the arm talent thing doesn't really matter all that much. What matters is, is the guy a winner? Because if he's been winning in high school, chances are he's going to be a winner in college. Shadur did a lot of winning in high school, did a lot of winning at Jackson State. Why is it shocking to people that he's doing winning at Colorado? All right? Now, I'm getting into this a little bit further in that they're going into Autzen without Travis Hunter, who is not the most important player at Colorado, but he is certainly the most talented. And as people have said, it's like losing two players because he goes both ways, right? Wide receiver and cornerback. Shohei Otani being gone, you lose a pitcher and you lose a hitter. You just a giant that steals bases. That dude's a mutant. I just I keep going on because it's like that with Travis Hunter. And not for that, but not for nothing, but the dude got hit so hard. Henry Blackburn lacerated his liver. And I was upset about it. And I know a lot of people that root for ups, uh, Colorado upset about it. You don't need to be sending anybody's family death threats over this. And I'm going to be with Prime on this condemning that. But you could be upset about it. But what I love is Travis said, hey, man, it's football. He did what he's supposed to do. That's a dude with some heart. That's a dude that's. Got that D on his jersey for dog. He said, I'm going to be back, and he's fine with it. Same thing with Prime. Hey, Henry Blackburn hit the dude. You can say it's a dirty hit. You can say it's clean. He hit him. That's what you're supposed to do. We're going to let it go. We're going to go play against Oregon. All right, fine. I'm good with that, too. But you also have to find a way to stop Oregon. And that ain't that ain't, that ain't ain't no easy task for anybody, right? Bo Nix is a dude. Noah Whittington is a dude. George James is a dude. Bucky Irving is a dude. Right? And then it's Troy Franklin. Now, what losing Travis Hunter did was not just lose your explosive threat, right, at wide receiver. It means that Xavier Weaver, Jimmy Horn, they're going to have to do a lot more work than they've been doing in the past. But you also not just lost your best corner. You got exposed that corner. Kendrick Breedlove could not stop a shallow cross to save his life against Colorado State. And they're talking about going by cornerback committee at Colorado against Oregon. I hope the committee good because the question was asked, where's Kamani McClain? For which Prime said he's not ready, to which the question was asked. What does, what's holding him back? To which Prime said he is. Ooh, dog. You know what that sound like? That sound like you this much closer to playing at a Wesleyan 
to plan at a Baptist, to plan at a directional state. You know what I'm saying? I understand what I'm saying. All right. Now, I also get it. Cormani McClain's a five-star cornerback, number one player at his position. And when you come in as a true freshman, people expect a lot of you when you have that sort of star power behind you. But it takes some time. I say this as a junior here at Fox Sports. It took some time. I needed to figure this thing out. I needed to get out of my own way. Right. I needed to go along. Then I can get along. Right. I think that's what's going to happen with McClain. He's going to figure it out because he's too talented not to. And prime is going to put him in positions to succeed. Now, I mentioned that Oregon got dudes. I also will alert you that Oregon damn near got upset in Lubbock by Texas Tech. Now, this game is in Autzen. It ain't in Jones, right? And it ain't in Folsom. But there was nothing there that told me that Oregon should run away with this. So when I see a 21-point spread, all I can remind you is the spread ain't been right about Colorado all year. Uh, uh, all year. One right at Texas Christian, one right in Nebraska. Damn sure one right at Colorado State. Why do you trust the spread now? Vegas don't know what to do with Prime. Because anything they want to put on it, he's been going the other way. When they were a 22, 27-point favorite against Colorado State, hey, man, they need to win that double overtime, 43-35. Last time they were a 20-point dog, what happened? What, 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 what happened? Ask the Horn Frogs what happened. All right? Yeah, all right. I'm picking Colorado in an upset of Oregon, such as it is, right? Because I'm on this train. Matter of fact, I'm the dude throwing coal into the train engine, all right? I've been I, I, I've been at the front of this train. Why would I get off now? That, that, that would make no sense. Now, also means that Oregon is going to start a run through the Pac-12 that's got a gauntlet. In a couple weeks, they get Washington, man. Washington, Michael Penix Jr. been on it. Like, that dude, 444 pass yards on average, 74% completion on average, 12 to 1 TD to INT ratio. They've scored 46 and given up 12 at, at Washington. So if you can't get past Colorado or if it doesn't make Oregon fans feel good about how you got past Colorado, what do you think Washington going to do? Hmm. All right. All right. Next on the list, us, number 16, Oklahoma at Cincinnati. That's the big noon game, noon Eastern on Fox. Don't mind my Oklahoma Sooners. Pay us no mind. Dylan Gabriel, 83% completion rate, 10-point yards per drop back, 11-to-1 TD-to-INT ratio. But don't pay him no mind. Remember, uh, Oklahoma ain't play nobody. That's what y'all tell me, right? That's what y'all tell me. Arkansas State ain't nobody. SMU ain't nobody. You know? Tulsa ain't nobody. Okay, cool. Don't pay no attention to a team that's averaging 56 a game and has put up 66 or more twice in three games. Don't, don't do that. Mm-mm. Defense has given up nine points a game and had five interceptions in one game of football. Pay them no mind. Pay that storm surging on the horizon called Oklahoma no mind. Pay the pro team in the state of Oklahoma no mind. I'll remind you the last time that a Conestoga rolled through the state of Ohio, Baker Mayfield left a piece of laundry in the middle of the chute. And you Cincinnati. All right. Keep doubting. Keep keep doubting. I, we, you know what? That's what we do at Oklahoma. We we don't want to get too far ahead of ourselves because when people expect us to be good, we usually ain't that good. It's been, you know, 23 years since we won a national championship. But, but I refuse to be negative about this team. I refuse. Mm-mm. You're not going to steal my joy, Satan. Mm-mm. 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 I'm going to say glory and hallelujah. Next. Oh, excuse me. 
Oklahoma is the pick here, in case you didn't already know. All right. Oklahoma over Cincinnati. Since we got that straight. Okay, next on the list here, number 22, UCLA at number 11, Utah. That game's at 3.30 p.m. Eastern on Big Fox. This is the Dante Moore game for me. Okay? Dante Moore is averaging 19.2 yards per completion and has a 7-1 TD to INT ratio. And God bless Chip Kelly for letting Ethan Garbage try to win this job away from this dude. But Dante is him. Okay? I didn't think he would go right away. Be like, oh, man, you on that DTR, aren't you? He, he is. He's a dude. He is the. They're going to go into, you know, Salt Lake and, and we're going to see what it is. But like knowing what Florida just did to Tennessee. And knowing that Utah beat that Florida team without Cam Rising. Man, I had to give myself some some a little bit of breath here to breathe and say, what would Utah be if Cam Rising gets to play? Because he ain't played all year. But I still like what UCLA has been here. And Chip Kelly with a quarterback, that's NWA, dog. That's nine wins a soon. He got a quarterback. He got a true freshman that can sling it. Now, Cam Rising comes back. That matters. Their defense giving up all of 10.3 points per game at Utah. That matters, too. But I'm going to pick UCLA because I think in this sport that we love so much, if you got an offense that can go score, it will go score because football is an offensive sport from the snap count to the line of scrimmage to the way we score the game. Okay. We win championships by stopping people. We win games by overscoring people. And I think UCLA is going to outscore Utah in this one. I'm picking them in the upset next on the list for me. Number 15, Ole Miss at number 13, Alabama. It ain't just that Lane Kiffin is a former Alabama assistant. It's that he's a former Alabama coordinator. And his defensive coordinator, Pete Golding, is also a former Alabama coordinator. I don't think that there are two men in the world that want to beat Nick Saban more than Lane Kiffin and Pete Golding put together. Okay, Golding was in Tuscaloosa last year, and he was brought there because he's running the same uh, kind of defense that Dave Aranda was running at LSU 2019. Right. A lot of simulated pressures, three, four front look made Aranda a household name over there. And I think. I think he's still a really great coordinator. Quinshawn Jenkins and Jackson Dart might rush for 50 times in this game against Alabama because I didn't know that Jackson Dart had it in his bag to be running away from people. You know, like when he was at USC coming out as National Gatorade Player of the Year, it was about slinging the rock. Now he can sling it and run it, and Quinshawn Jenkins is that dude in the SEC at tailback. Now, game is in Tuscaloosa. I get that. Jalen Milrow is going to be the starter. That gives them a chance because all Jalen got to do is what Graham Mertz did against Tennessee. Don't throw the football to the other team. Now, it's a little bit harder to do than it is to say, but Jalen gives Alabama an edge that they had when Jalen Hurts was there. And I think that's the way you should really look at Jalen Milrow in this year's Jalen Hurts in 2016. That's what the ceiling is. If he learns to take care of the ball, he learns to get rid of the ball, they're going to be fine. But Jalen got to go after two claps. After two claps, the ball got to be gone or you got to be gone because the offensive line is doing what they should because they're getting pressure on him with three because he's just standing back there. You can't do that. And not for nothing, but at KD, that dude was not exactly scanning the field. He went one read, two read, gone. And if you go watch his huddle film, it's a lot of that. Alabama's front seven, though, is a legitimate nightmare. It is nightmare fuel over there. Deontay Lawson, Dallas Turner are terrified, but... Put some Kool-Aid in that secondary. Sprinkle some sugar 
to get a little Malachi more, smack it with your granddaddy's yak, and you got a defense hitting like an ox. What they did against South Florida, that's overlooked because the quarterback play was so bad. But if you're watching Alabama, you'll know that this is Nick Saban football team. This is the one that he likes. He likes it when the offense runs the football, and he likes it when the defense is a damn curtain, a damn steel curtain. I think that they're going to be good. They might not be what they were in 2020, but you know, every year Alabama's supposed to be the best team that ever lived. It ain't going to be like that every year. Here, you got one loss. You might have two because I'm picking Ole Miss upset, but you get my point here, right? Alabama's going to figure it out. Nick Saban's going to figure it out. And then next year, they're going to be juggernauts again because this team is so young. They're feeling it out. They're finding out what they are capable of and what they're not. And by the time they got to play LSU, look out because, well, don't nobody like getting one back like Nick Saban, like getting one back. Hello. Again, I'm picking Ole Miss in the upset here. I like them from a defensive standpoint, from a schematic standpoint, and they'll be able to run the ball just as well as Alabama. Next on the docket for us, number 24, Iowa at number seven, Penn State. Perhaps the two best defenses in the Big Ten going at it, which means that this game is going to be about which quarterback takes better care of the ball, Kate McNamara or Drew Allard, okay? I tend to believe that both of those quarterbacks are going to make a mistake, a mistake that leads to six. Maybe it's pick six. Maybe it's a forced fumble of some sort, but I think they're going to make a mistake, which means that I'm going to look to the tailbacks to try to put these things away. And I'm looking, and I just remembered, I ain't seen single him all year. Not one time. I didn't see Nick Singleton. 36 rushes for 150 yards, 154 yards, five TDs this season. But I ain't seen single him. You know, that dude that I was telling you about a couple years ago coming out of high school, he ain't showed up yet. But I'm looking for single him to announce himself like the lag on my MR2 Spider. It's turbo, yeah, on that mid-engine car. You don't want me. Mm-mm. You don't want me. Mm-mm. I got a go-kart like Nick Singleton. Ready to go. Turn up, Nick. This is the game for which I want to see single him. Hand that ball to the boy in the back wearing 10 and ride him. And then look at the defense, man. Abdul Carter, Stick City, that's a dude. You know, we can keep going on about Johnny Dixon. We can keep going on about Kalen King. We can go on about Manny Diaz's defense, and we can go go further about Phil Parker's defense. But it's going to be about who can run the football and which quarterbacks can take care of the football. Same stuff, different day, and as far as we understand football. But this game is also really pivotal for Iowa. Because we're not just talking about them moving up in the rankings, knocking out a potential CFP team in Penn State, but this is the only game on the schedule for which they ought to not be favored. Everything else, they should be favored to win. Which means if they upset Penn State in this game, it should be clear sailing, not just to the Big Ten Championship, but with a spot in the college football playoff on the line because they're going to get Ohio State or Michigan. Iowa, sell out. Sell out to win this game. That said, I'm picking Penn State. Uh, I'm picking Penn State, right? I'm going to go chalk on this. I think that they're much more talented. I think it's the most talented team that James Franklin's had in 10 years in Happy Valley. That's no small thing. Remember, he had Micah Parsons on a team at one point, Saquon Barkley on a team at one point, and yet this team, I think, is more talented. So I'm going to pick Penn State in this one, but Iowa gets the upset. I'm not going to turn nothing down but this turtleneck. You know what I'm saying? All right. 
Number 14, Oregon State at number 21, Washington State. Again, sneaky, sneaky good Pac-12 game. Cam Ward has a better total QBR than Bo Nix and Jaden Daniels. And they putting up over 530 yards of offense a game at Wazoo. Now, they beat up on Wisconsin, right? Put 31 up on them. Put 64 up on Northern Colorado. But the game that I'm still looking at is the 50 they put up on Colorado State, who wasn't nobody until last Saturday. Everybody thought they were just bad, myself included. Turns out, no. No, they put 50 up on a team that Colorado could put 43 up on in double overtime. Okay? They average a 48.3 a game, but that Oregon State defense is still just tough. They're giving up 11 a game. And with DJ Uwe Ungalale and Damian Martinez running the ball, they look like the kind of team that could sneak in and just win the Pac-12 the way that Utah did last year and the year before that because they finally got a dude at quarterback who makes them great. I think this is going to be a lot of fun because nobody expected much from Wazoo and Oregon State, especially this year, as they are the last two remaining Pac-12 members, but they're kind of joined at the hip and trying to fight the rest of the Pac-12 for ownership of the Pac-12. And I think this is going to be a fun game because, well, whoever wins it, probably going to be the heir apparent to what's left of the Pac-12 and or maybe even the Mountain West, but we're getting too far ahead on ourselves there. I'm looking forward to Cam Ward being able to throw the ball down the field, but I'm also going to say that dude is prone to putting the ball on the floor, throwing it to the other team, such as the nature of the offense. So I'm going to be watching turnovers in this game as much as anything else. I'm going to pick Wazoo because I think, again, if you got an offense that can go score, you can put 21 up on people in a hurry as opposed to, say, running the football down 14. That's hard. That's tough. So if Oregon State doesn't play with the lead or they find themselves more than a TD behind, look out. Wazoo might get the upset on this one, too. Again, picking Wazoo in this one. We'll see how it goes. Finally, last game we got to get to on this Saturday. Number four, Florida State travels to Death Valley in Clemson. I don't know what to do with Florida State. We've established it is not the number four team in the country to me. And it has never been the number four team in the country to me. And the team they beat and get so much credit for, LSU, was never in the top five for me. They began at 14. I got a hard time moving them past 10. So I'm looking at Florida State, who got that win against LSU, but also just barely beat Boston College who also nearly lost to Holy Cross. Tell me what you want about Jordan Travis. Tell me what you want about Keon Coleman. Tell me what you want about Jared Verse. Tell me what you want about Jaheen Bell. You should not be in a dogfight with Boston College, especially when you were up 31 to 10. And now you want me to trust you to go into Death Valley against a Clemson team that's been dogged out and expect me to pick you? Well, we've established that. I'm I'm picking Clemson. But do you understand my point here? Clemson lost a weird game, 28-7 to Duke. Turns out Duke is good. We learned that. And Clemson was not as bad as the score would indicate. Cade Klubnik played the worst game I've ever seen him play. Hadn't played like that since. However, now that Dabo Sweeney gets to go back to calling them little old Clemson that nobody expects anything from, and I'm the only person willing to rank them. Imagine that. We live in a world... This is this is my objectivity on display. Those of y'all to go back with me understand where I'm coming from when I say this. I ranked Clemson when nobody else would in week four because I think it's a good football team. 
Just sit with that for a while. I rank Clemson. Okay? Yeah, I'm going to pick Clemson to upset Florida State, but I don't think Florida State's that good. Now, Florida State goes to get that win. I'll be the first person to tell you about it right here on the number one college football show. But put another way, put 2023 Oklahoma up against 2023 Florida State and tell me you pick a Florida State. You a bold faced lie. You a bold faced lie. Clemson, that's my pick. All right. That is going to do it for this episode of the number one college football show. We will be back right here on Saturday night. But number one college football show. Leads the screening, Jack Coakley and Torrin Westfall. Make us better in the film room. Production assistant, Kiara Santana. Put the special in our special team. Social producer, Javion Duncan. Make sure the recruits and the rivals see the cake we bake. Chaz Bowie is sending in the signal. Senior producer, Catherine Cordaggi. Sees the entire field from the booth. Lead producer, Tyler Wojak. Calls the plays from the sideline. And the play snaps on my clap. We'll see y'all live Saturday night. Conclusion, Ohio State, Notre Dame. Till then, Halo, keep those feet grinding. Doses.